As part of Ferrari Fridays, William Ross from the Exotic Car Marketplace will be discussing all things Ferrari and interviewing people that live and breathe the Ferrari brand. Topics range from road cars to racing, drivers to owners, as well as auctions, private sales, and trends in the collector market. And welcome back, everyone, to the Ferrari Marketplace. This is William. I hope everybody is doing well. Um, this took a little bit getting this uh, next episode out. Uh, I've been traveling quite a bit the past couple weekends. I uh, was out in California, as you know, and then this past weekend I was down at Amelia Island for the Concourse d'Elegance down there, the one that Hagrid just took over and they renamed it the Amelia. I just shortened up the name, I guess. So, But um kind of want to jump that stuff but first and foremost i kind of want to say you know this is a friday that i'm dropping this and this is what march 11th i believe today's date is um and season four drive to survive just dropped and i got snookered into watching the first few episodes and started getting the binge thing i had to peel myself away because i needed to get this up and uh put it out there and <laughs> so but I don't know if any of you out there have been watching this season, uh, Drive, Drive to Survive the past three seasons or what, but, I mean, I really – I enjoyed it. I mean, I like it. Um, I think they did a heck of a job. Yeah, it's, you know, building up, um, creating the drama, whatever you – how they want to do it. But, you know, it's television. That's what they got to do. But, you know, I, I really like it because it gives you more of a sense, kind of gives you, you know, more of a behind-the-scenes look, you know, and anyone that is an F1 fan – you know, knows that how Formula One's very standoffish and closed off and, you know, getting to see what goes on behind the scenes is about impossible unless you, you know, are very, very rich or you work for one of the uh, teams. So it's, it's always really cool to see, but I said, I just watched the first few episodes and, you know, it, it's just as good as it's been in the past. So um, I've only gotten through three episodes, so uh, there's more to come. And I had to peel myself away, like I said, so I could uh, get this this episode up and going. So anyways, back to the main agenda and talking about Amelia Island. Um, so what I had did is uh, I was I, I was on the fence about going down because I had just gotten back from California that Monday night. And you know, I thought I'd talk my uh, father to come down with me. And you know, each time I talked to him, I could tell that he didn't want to go. So I finally just let him off the hook. And he's like, look, I can tell you don't want to go. Don't worry about it. So... I ended up just, you know, jumping in the car myself Thursday and just driving down. It's not that bad of a drive. You know, it's only like, like 12 hours, so it's no big deal. I like driving. So, you know, it's not bad, especially, you know, you driving the right car helps also, too. And, you know, going through the mountains to West Virginia. Virginia is a lot of fun and, you know, a lot of twists and turns and what have you. And, you know, getting out past that, once you get into, you know, um, the Carolinas and Georgia and that, you know, it's pretty nice straight shots and um, you know, nice just wide open stints. You know, you get humming along it at a nice fast pace and it goes quick but the thing that drives me nuts is these yahoos that park out in the left lane and then they don't either don't look in their mirrors or just absolutely clueless or they're just that bad of drivers so i don't know and it just really really bugs the shit out of me that these people i mean and they're the ones that kind of get traffic backed up because they sit out there you know, and they take their sweet-ass time, like, trying to pass someone. And, you know, you got, like, five cars behind you, and you're sitting there on them trying to get them. You know, it's just it's a pain in the ass. And I'm sure a lot of you probably have dealt with it. And, you know, I just don't get it. You know, they, they should make it a national law that 
you know, I know some states have, like Ohio has it, and a lot of states, oh, hey, you know, left lane's passing only. But people ignore the heck out of that. And what they need to do is make it a law. And I think Germany is the one that has a fantastic law regarding this. One, semis cannot even go in the left lane. So depending if there's only two lanes, they got to stay in the right lane. They can't even go over there. And you have to get back over to the right lane. You cannot just sit out there in that left lane. It's like as soon as you pass someone, you get right back over. And, you know, that's what needs to happen here. I mean, because this is just getting ridiculous with people. And this is what causes road rage. And, you know, I just don't get it. But anyways, back to Amelia. So anyways, I got down there. Um, well, I left on Thursday. And I drove down. I, I got down. I didn't leave till a little bit in the morning. It's like around 9.15 or so, 9-ish. And I drove down to about 8 p.m. or so. I got down to about Savannah, Georgia, which only put me like a couple hours outside of where Amelia is. Uh, Amelia, I'm not all that familiar, is basically kind of just northeast of Jacksonville, Florida. Um, so I, I got to Savannah because I, I, I was beat. And it's like, hey, I can just get up in the morning because nothing really started until about 10 o'clock anyways the next day. So... I parked myself uh, in Savannah for the evening, got up uh, early in the morning, and uh, made my way to the Gooding Auction. So that was my first uh, event I wanted to hit that was going on on that Friday. And they have their own separate facility over at the Omni Club. Um, and real nice setup, you know, lots of tents, um, everything's available. And I, I will say this, if you ever go down to Amelia, the parking is the biggest pain in the ass. And, you know, sometimes you can luck out if you're doing, you can park out on the road you know, on the side of the street and that, you know, they're pretty flexible about that, but there are tons of signs everywhere about telling you where you can and can't park. Um, but, you know, especially going for Saturday and Sunday, the concourse itself at the Ritz, you know, you could either have to get there at 5, 6 a.m. to park somewhere relatively close and walk, or you're going to be spending 20 30 $40 for parking. It is what it is, you know, so so be it. But anyways, so I got to Gooding, and uh, I got myself actually a decent spot, which I was actually surprised by. So I got in and uh, started going around. I shot some videos. So if you want, you know, check out the, um, the uh, YouTube channel and, you know, the Fire Marketplace or 65, Channel 65 Motorsports. And I got a lot of stuff that's posted up there, but check out the Fire Marketplace site. I got, you know, tons of video up. It's in multiple videos, I guess you would say. Um, because you know, Gooding was the one that actually had, I guess the, uh, I guess the most Ferraris at it available for the auction, and you know they had a great you know setup in regards to in the tents going around, and then you actually had the auction room itself, the auction tent itself, which was rather large and it was packed. Now I don't know if this is just because hey it's pent up, you know people finally getting out and be able to kind of start going to places and whatnot because of COVID, it's getting a little more you know things are getting a little more relaxed or what, but I can tell you what it was packed to the wall to wall i mean it was there's a lot of people a lot of activity a lot of a lot of uh, people raising their hands um you know some stuff going below estimates some people going above estimates some right in the middle you know it just kind of depends um like i said you know gooding had probably the biggest selection of ferraris there uh that they were auctioning off and they had a now the one they had there was kind of interesting as a test rosa recreation and it went right just above its high estimate. It went for, I think it was just a smidge over the, you know, half a million dollar mark. Uh, but I tell you what, it was a really, really nice job on this recreation that someone did. And, you know, this is a car that, hey, you can drive on the street and not have to worry about telling me it's still a half a million dollar car. But, you know, it's, you're not so much worried about driving a 10, 15, $20 million Testarossa out on the road. Whereas you got this thing where it's, it's got a Ferrari engine. 
chassis. You know, I think they took it off a 330 chassis and, um, you know, made the body, did everything with it. Then, you know, put the, you know, the motor in it. So, I mean, it's a Ferrari. Just, hey, it's a rebodied car on a, you know, 330 chassis. So, but it's one that you can go out there and drive and have some fun with and enjoy it and not really be paranoid about someone getting too close to you on the street or anything like that. Now, at Gooding, their, uh, the top Ferrari that they had go off was an F40, 91 F40. And it sold for just over, just, just a smidge under, I should say, of two and a half million. Uh, the estimate, it fell, you know, it was on the lower end of the estimate. The estimate was 2.4 to 2.8. Um, though that thing was really nice. It was super clean. It had uh, decent mileage on it. Uh, well-maintained document history and stuff like that. So that was nice. And the next they had was a uh, 67 330 GTS. Now that one, again, low end of the estimate, just a smidge over, just a hair under. 2.1 million uh, estimates were 2 to 2.4 so again low end of the estimate and the last one that they had go through was a 275 now if you check out the videos on the channel you'll see I, and I have posted pictures on this place uh, you know on this car too now this 275 now you probably look oh wow that's you know went for a decent price well this thing needed a ton of work um, the sills everything were rotted I mean I couldn't see the boards but you looked inside and the passenger footwell, it was just all wires. I mean, this thing needed a lot of love. It had been sitting for a long, long time in someone's garage, barn, whatever. Um, but you're probably looking close to probably between 800 to a million dollars to get this thing up to snuff. Um, you know, so it was, a, someone took it on and someone's going to do it. So again, it's kind of one of those ones, okay. You're standing there looking at it. You're like, okay, hey, I could just you know get the, get it running good, whatnot, and just drive it with the patina on it and not have to worry about it. Well, it's going to take a lot more than that to get this thing up and going on the road. So um, kudos to whoever purchased it and was going to get this thing up on the road and get this thing going. So um, good for them because you know you like to don't like to see these things just kind of rot and go into the ground. So, but um, you know the rest of the auction was really really good time. I mean a lot of activity going on and. Uh, they had sold, uh, you know, a, uh, a Talbot Lago that went for, I, after all said and done, just a smidge under $13.5 million. So that was kind of interesting to watch that. It's always fun watching the auctioneers, you know, try and, I guess, push things out, you know, kind of get more money. They're, they're obviously, they're trying to get the most for the seller. But, you know, the more they get for the seller, the more they put in their pocket. So, you know, it's a win-win for everybody all around, except maybe the buyer who's got to spend more money on it. So... Well, this car was absolutely gorgeous. It was the main focal point uh, when you went in the one tent, first tent as soon as you walked in, you know, got your ticket and went through. They had it up on a pedestal, you know, roped off, everything like that. So, I mean, you can still get up close to it and look inside it, take photos and everything like that. But this thing was absolutely gorgeous. And, and you know, worth probably every bit of the $13.5 So, kudos, a congrats to the new buyer on that. Um, so, anyways... That, you know, I, you know, hanging out there, I mean, they didn't have, like, hundreds and hundreds of cars. So, the, the event didn't last all that long. So, I mean, I got out of there, I think it was, like, around 2, 2.30. And I think they still had a few cars to go, but I kind of wanted to beat traffic. And there really wasn't much else to do after that. Um, you know, they kind of stressed these out. Now, Sotheby's had their thing going on and Bottoms also. I didn't go to either of those auctions because I just... I didn't want to do because I know both those, they really didn't have anything that was of interest to me that was going across the block. But the other fact is, too, is they were relatively smaller sized auctions. So I, I don't know. It just wasn't wasn't intriguing enough for me to take my time and go over there. So now 
so after it's over, I just you know got stuff because I, I was still kind of beat from doing all the driving the past couple of days. So I went, you know, got to my hotel, went and checked in, and went up to the store, got thing. But I wanted to say this: the hotel I stayed at was absolute crap. Um, you know, I was shopping around trying to find a hotel last minute, and this one was, you know, it was only like seventy bucks a night. It was cheap, and you get what you pay for, right? You know, so but kind of pissed me off was. You know, when I did, I was like, okay, I'm going to stay, you know, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night, and I'll leave Monday morning because, I, you know, I wasn't thinking. But then after, you know, what was going on and being at the events on Friday, I realized, well, shit, I'm going to be out of here probably 1, 2 o'clock on Sunday. I'm not going to just go and hang out, you know, and, and wait till Monday morning to leave. I'll just get on the road and start driving halfway Sunday night or Sunday and get halfway. That way I'm not doing so much driving. And you know, I did it through Hotels.com, and sure enough, you know, and I knew that, we, you know, just talking with these morons at the front desk, you know, they had clueless. I mean, when you're at a place that's only $60, $70 a night, you're going to get the kind of people that work there that are just absolutely clueless. And they were absolutely no help. I say, look, I'm not trying, I just want to cancel the one night. I don't need it. And I knew that they weren't going to go for that because they want to scrape every nickel out. And, and sure enough, they didn't. Uh, you know, I went to Hotels.com. You know, and going back and forth, phone calls, whatnot, and trying to explain it. I get an email saying, well, you know, they're, since you're still there, they're not going to cancel it. I'm not canceling it. I just need to get rid of the, you know, cancel the one for last night because I'm not going to be here. Oh, apologize for the, the confusion, blah, blah, blah. You know, and because I knew they weren't going to do nothing. So, anyways, I had to eat it. But, anyways, what can you do? But the place was just an absolute shithole. And... If it comes up, I'm not going to name the name because I'm not going to all of a sudden somebody get this and I get a lawsuit or something for uh, defamation or some kind of crap like that. But let's just say it's an, it was just an absolute shithole. But anyways, so I just hung out. And then Saturday morning, I got up early, got myself moving because um, they had going on at the Ritz itself where the concourse is. On Saturday, they had the Radwood and the Concours de la Mons. Um, I'm not sure how many of you out there are familiar with this, you know, the Concours de Lemons and the Radwood. Now, the Concours de Lemons, you know, they've actually been around for a few years now, and which started out as a joke out in Pebble Beach and kind of just as the anti-establishment type situation. So these guys set it up and got things going, but it took off. I mean, it was a huge hit. You know, I don't know if you've ever been to one, but they're just absolutely a blast to just walk through and see. Um, you know, it's... People, you know, they're not taking themselves seriously. They're just having fun. And this Radwood is something that's relatively uh, new to the scene in regards to what they do. It's kind of, I don't say not take off the Concourse of Lemons, but what this is, Radwood is like their uh, 80s and 90s cars. Um, so cars, to me, that I grew up, you know, in high school and college, you know, having and lusting after. Um, but it wasn't like, you know, have Ferrari, stuff like that. You know, it's going to be your, your Mustangs, your Camaros, stuff like that. Um, you know, stuff that you could actually maybe obtain in high school and drive around. So I don't know about you, but uh, I had a Fiero GT in high school. Um, that thing was a blast. And then I, once I graduated, I had a, actually a Mustang GT um, in 85. That thing was awesome. But anyways, those events were a lot of fun. They had other things going on around there with it. Um, you know, it wasn't just those events there. Porsche had a nice setup. Um, and then there was a kind of a setup going on because they had the lake set up. Now, if you you know look at some of the photos and videos or whatnot, what, how this thing was done, you know they had other cars set up. The guys from Curated had a nice setup with uh, some Lamborghinis and that um, and an F40, and which he had actually at Cavallino. And I thought that thing might have already been sold because it was Nigel Mansell's old 
F40. I, mean, I believe it was curated. The way it was presented, I believe it was from curated, but I, I could be wrong, so don't quote me on it. But the one cool thing that was there was Jim Glickenhaus. I don't know how familiar you are with, you know, IMSA, you know, Lamar, that kind of stuff, and Sebring. But, you know, Jim Glickenhaus is a huge motorsports fan and big Ferrari person. But um, he's signed to take on the big, whatever you want to call them, Toyota, all those guys at Le Mans, and build his own car. Now, he had built some cars in the past where he actually took, you know, Ferrari chassis. The one was beautiful. He took the Enzo chassis and built that P3, P4. Um, thing was stunning. Race it, did it at Nürburgring 24 hours. You know, did really well um, for a small, just, I want to say homegrown team, but, you know, they did rather well. So, but, you know, last year, just because of COVID, they kind of had some, I don't not say setbacks, but, you know, it just kind of slowed the, the uh, buildup, the, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, the development of the car. Uh, and for them at Le Mans, they, they went, you know, they were respectable, but, you know, they got the balance of competition uh, that they got to do, or balance of performance, I should say. So, this year is going to be interesting. I know they were headed down to Sebring, and they're only going to have one car there. But then at Le Mans, they're going to have two cars. But now I saw, interesting enough, that they had posted that they actually have, I don't know if it was the second car that something fell through or what, but they were advertising it as, hey, you want to come in and, you know, be part of this and for Le Mans, some crap like that. Um, so I don't know if something happened or what, what fell through. But anyways, you know, Jim Glickenhaus himself was there at the event. He's actually there both days, Saturday and Sunday. And super nice guy. So I talked to him for, I don't know, a good half hour, just kind of going over the car. You know, they had there was, um, they're about two weeks away from being uh, the homologation for it to be able to, you know, get these things road certified so they could actually start delivering cars. Um, you know, their plan is, I think he said it was to do about 30 cars this year, 25 to 30 cars, and then next year, like, do 100 to 150 cars um, and maybe, like, kind of cap it at that. Um and a couple of different styles of it was really cool. You know, and you have variations. You could get a, the manual in it if you want to, you know, shift your own gears. Or if you want to get to the, you know, the paddle, floppy paddle box, you could get that also. But what was kind of interesting is the interior on the car he had there was leopard print. Um, not something I would choose, but it did really, really stand out. That's for sure. Um, but I highly, you know, recommend you go check out Glickenhaus's uh, website, uh, Scuderia Cameron Glickenhaus or Glickenhaus Cameron, something like that. Um, I forget how he actually has it worded, but look up Scuderia Glickenhaus and look up his uh, the team and stuff like that. And you know, they got a cool, you know, they do a lot of updates on Facebook and that, and they're getting ready. Obviously, they're going down to Sebring because that's the next weekend. So they're getting ready for the Sebring 12 hours. And that'll be a good test for that car because that thing just beats the heck out of cars. That is not the smoothest of tracks. I don't know if any of you guys have been down there, but I've actually raced on that track. And let me tell you, that thing is not smooth at all. It is super, super rough. And they don't do a damn thing about it to try and smooth it out or make it any nicer for the drivers. You just bounce around like crazy. It just beats the heck out of you. But anyways, so kind of going around then, um, you know, they had you know a few other things in there. Now, this being the 75th anniversary of Ferrari, they didn't have anything on Saturday, per se. They had, you know, a few Ferraris there and whatnot, um, but really nothing crazy. And, you know, kind of wandering around. They had some, you know, other decent stuff. The one thing I was kind of surprised was I thought they'd have more vendors there. They'd have, like, more, you know, booths of people selling things. Now, they had a few, um, but it, I don't know if it seems to be because this is, like, you know, the 
been to quite a few of these things, and it seems to be there's always a lot of artists selling paintings, you know, uh, car paintings, what have you, there, and not cheaply. Um, the one person's uh, booth I went into, seven grand, 13 grand, 15 grand for some of these things. And now you're not talking some big, huge mural, you know, mural, mural uh, get that out. Um, you know, it, it's just a, a standard size, you know, poster size, what you may call it. You know, I mean, yeah, they're gorgeous and looking at it, but I don't know. I mean, I, I guess it's all in the beholder and what if someone values something at, but I mean, I'm not in the position that I can just go and spend, you know, seven, eight, ten grand on, you know, something like that. I'm just going to hang on the wall. I don't have that kind of money. Anyways, uh, but obviously a lot of people do. So that's one thing you do notice when you go to these things. There is lots of people with lots of money there. But um, anyway, it's kind of wrapping up. You know, Saturday, like I said, Saturday was great. It was cool. I said it was packed. And when I was pulling in, again, I had to pay $40 for parking because my bad back. I can't really park too far away because I can't only I only can do so much walking. So it's like I just got to bite the bullet and I just pay for the parking. Um which was nice because then they had a golf cart took you from that that section, which was you were close because I was paying four dollars. You were relatively close to the event, so but they still had a golf cart that would take you over to the field or anything was, and you go in and they were pretty um, diligent in regards to checking all your bags and whatnot and pulling stuff out. Um, it, you know, I had a camera, you know, and a couple of camera sticks, that kind of stuff. I, I had to pull all this junk out of this bag. It was just a pain. I mean, I, I get it, but it was a bit overkill to me, if you ask. Um, so anyways, so wrapping up on Saturday, you know, when you went up to around the hotel's entrance itself, the circular drive, you know, they had McLaren had a really cool setup up there. The one thing was neat, and you had to sign for it, and it got booked up pretty quick, though, was Porsche had where you could do test drives. And I'm not quite sure where the route was because I didn't get to go on because it was booked up. Um but you actually got, and I don't think someone was in the car with you from Porsche. I think they, hey, they took the car and they had the Macan, uh, they had a Taycan, uh, no 911s, I don't believe. Um, and I think a Cayenne, I think it was there too. So I'm not quite sure they got it. But and Haggerty also had the same thing set up. Now, I really didn't go and inquire about this one either, but they had classic cars where you could take them for a drive. Again, I don't know if you had to pay for the Haggerty one. I know the Porsche one was free. You just had to sign up. Uh, the Haggerty one, I would assume you probably had to pay, but they had an old Bronco. Uh, they had a Dochevaux, Dochevaux, you know, Citroen. Um, you know what I'm talking about? One of those weird things. Um, so I, I didn't really kind of delve into how much cost-wise and whatnot would have been to test out one of those. But I seen them driving around, and you can see because they had the big stickers on them and everything like that. So that was kind of cool. You know, so if you want to take a thing, and I, again, I don't know how big or how long, you go for a drive on this thing. And the other thing was, is traffic was horrendous. So not really quite sure where you're going to go var very far, and especially those old cars. I would imagine those things kind of get hot pretty damn quick. Uh, you'd be watching that temperature gauge. But anyways, so I got done pretty early uh, on Saturday too. Again, it would wrap things up around like 2 o'clock and get get everything out of there, put it, present awards. And, you know, I'm not an awards person. Hey, what to do good for you for winning? So I left and I went to the beach. And, I mean, it wasn't like it was in the 80s or anything like that. It was only in the low 70s. But, hey, you still the sun was out, whatnot, it was nice. But, anyways, so Sunday rolled around. So knowing what was going on since I kind of got a late start Saturday and saw how bad traffic was and how long it took, I got an early start on Sunday and got there 
pretty easily. Nice and breezy. You know, got the real was hardly any traffic when the time I got there because I got there basically first thing. And the event didn't they didn't start letting you in until nine thirty. So I, I got there like around quarter to nine. Um, and there were already a lot of people there, and which is not surprising. But you know, we had to wait in line getting there. And again, they I think they could be a little better in regards to how they get people into the in, into the field into the event itself. Um, they had like a main entrance where they had most things, but they had the side one where a lot of people go and they only had two people scanning and this day and age, people are going ticketless. So these scanners trying to read your QR code that's on your phone is a little difficult. But anyways, so you go through and you get in now. I said, I went into the one side. Now, if you, depending on which ones you went into, which, where it would dump you out at. So I came in on the backside to where the big showcase is, where the cars drive up, everything like that. So as soon as they came in, walk around, they had all your brass era. Uh, pre-war stuff and I cannot remember for the life of me because the guy I, I first talked to had his gorgeous Packard and he's been on Wayne Carini's um, uh, chasing classic cars his buddy but you know he's got all the Packards and so I, I talked to him for a little bit about it and I could not remember his, um, his the, the life of me his name and it was, and it's still driving me nuts. And I'm gonna try and look it up right now, real quick, and see if I can pull it up. And yeah, Ralph, Ralph is his name. That's it. <laughs> Anyways, um, he had his beautiful packet of show, and that was the only one he had there was showing. And but you know, as soon as that, everyone just come in, so we wasn't crowded. So um, so I, I chatted with him a little bit about it. But this thing was beautiful. Again, I got pictures posted, you know, Instagram, um, got video over there and whatnot. So uh, check it out. But, you know, you go through all the pre-war stuff, and these cars are absolutely stunning. I mean, just, but what also gets me is the size of these cars. I mean, these are not small vehicles. I mean, you know, cars this day and age, hey, these, they're big, but, God, the cars back then were just massive. And now you can see why they, you know, horsepower-wise, it wasn't so much, but they had a lot of torque because these things, you know, getting these behemoths up and going. But, I mean, these things were massive. I mean, just these things made statements going down the road. That's for sure. Um, going past that, what they had really cool is I had seen them the day before on, I don't know if they do it, the Concourse Drive or the Tour or something like that that they have. Um, they had Davis Divins, Divins, however you pronounce that. Um, I know they only made like 14 of them, and they had like five of them there. They actually had a prototype Army Jeep one uh, that they must have submitted for uh, considerations of the U.S. government. Uh, now, if you're not familiar with those, look them up. It's a Davis-Divan, Divan, D-I-V-A-N. Uh, it's a three-wheeled car. Um, it's been on Wayne Carini's show. They've had it you know, here and there. It's really kind of very streamlined looking, uh, really cool looking. And But to see that many in one spot is kind of crazy because they, said they only made the 14 of them. And I'm not sure all 14 are like in this kind of presented, you know, concourse level type condition where you could show them. I mean, these things... Don't get me wrong, these things weren't going to, you know, win best of show at this thing. But, you know, they were pretty decent shape. Um, so, but that was kind of cool checking those out. And then there was, you know, uh, BMW had brought some cars too, um, which was kind of interesting. They had some older M6s and that stuff. Uh, but they had a big boost up because they also had, you know, their brand new cars they were kind of launching. So, and, uh, you know, trying to push the electric stuff. Um, and then going around. The guys from Curated had their all set up. And, you know, that backside was kind of all the same setup and everything, too. But the thing I want to get to is, you know, going around is I want to get to the Ferrari stuff because, hey, this is a Ferrari marketplace. Uh, I want to 
bother you and bore you with the other stuff. But anyways, I, I thought it was kind of humorous because, or funny, humorous, I, however you want to pronounce it. But obviously, five years ago, when it was the 70th anniversary of Ferrari, they must have had something. Because if you've ever been to the Amelia, they have signs like for each beginning of each grouping of cars, you know, nice setup. Well, this one said the 70, 70th anniversary. Why they couldn't update the sign to the 75th, I don't know. I, I thought that was a big, huge faux pas on their part. Why they didn't update that to the 75th is beyond me. But now, this wasn't anything like the Cavalino was, where they had like one from every year. But um, Brian and Kimberly Ross had brought their 16MM, 166MM there, which was absolutely stunning. Uh, then there was a 250 Tour de France. Um, then you went up to the uh, 270, let's see, it was a 275, let's see, yeah. The 16MM, the Tour de France, two, the 250 Tour de France, then the 255, or 275, then they had a 365, uh, then they had a 288 GTO, then they had the F40, F50, Enzo, and then they had the LaFerrari, and then they had the new uh, Monza, SP Monza there. So they had a nice, you know, setup of the cars in. They're stunning. Again, check out the video. I got some shorter ones of just those cars coming up. And what was really cool is they did a Ferrari parade, I guess you'd call it, or that's what they were calling it. And that's what kind of neat thing there is, you know, you actually can see these things driving, started up and running. And, you know, they had to come all the way around from the backside over to where they got it because they ran them in front of the grandstands. So I got a great shot, you know, all those Ferraris lined up, running, and then getting presented, going around, driving. You know, they weren't driving fast. I mean, they're driving super slow, like five miles an hour. But anyways, hearing them run. Oh, I'm sorry. And I forgot, they had a GTO. <laughs> Duh. Um, sorry, my mind's just said the ADD always kicks in. But anyways, um, they had also had the GTO was there also um, in between the – 250 Tour de France and the uh, 275 was the GTO. My bad. Apologies. But anyways, so I got video of them kind of pulling up and everything like that. Then I came back around because I got those coming up. And, you know, because once they got presented, you know, they had to come all the way back around. So I brought, got back over the other side. Got a great shot of the 288 and the F40 coming back up and running. And, you know, they're just absolutely gorgeous cars. Those are, out of all the Ferraris out there that have been made, I mean, those are probably my two favorites my first is a 288 gto is my all-time favorite and the next is the f40 i mean i know it's probably a lot of people's um choices and but I, I that's what i you know grew up you know uh the 288 and f40 were you know my you know poster wall cars so it's always one so those are my lottery cars so if i win those depending on how much i win in the lotto I'm getting both of those, and then if there's enough that I can, obviously get the uh, F50 and the Enzo also, and just get that whole um, the um, the uh, holy. Uh, you want to say Trinity because that's three, but the holy quad, <laughs> however you want to pronounce it. But anyways, so they did a nice setup with that and, and have them there. You know, I thought maybe they'd do a little bit more just because of the fact it's the 75th anniversary, but there really wasn't. But that was kind of you know where people flowed in. That was the kind of the main. Thing where people flowed in so it was pretty crowded around those cars um now one cool thing is in some other areas they had uh the race cars were kind of they had stuff from sebring um the sebring class and uh from imsa and that so they had some other cars over there it said um a couple of Ferrari race cars it was pretty cool to see also so it was an awesome event 
uh, I really, really had fun attending all the days I was down there. And I, I recommend it highly. If you get the opportunity, go to it, attend it. You know, even if you're somewhere across the country, you got you know, it's a vacation, what have you, I highly recommend it. I mean, now I will say this. It's not the cheapest of things to go to on Sunday for the event itself. Um, if you buy your ticket early enough, it's 150 bucks to get in. Like the other days, um, you know, like Gooding's thing was um, 30 bucks to get in, you know, so you could walk around. Uh, Saturday stuff they had it was dirt cheap to get in. I think it was only $10. But if you buy a ticket for Sunday's event, that gets you into Saturday stuff. So you just not like you got to buy all these tickets. So, but I highly, highly recommend attending the event if you've never been. It's well worth the trip. Uh, they do a great job. Now, I know um, Haggerty just took it over, so they did a fantastic job um, in getting this put together. I'm sure next year's will have a few things more streamlined and whatnot. So hopefully, you know, next year when I attend um, and then you guys go, hey, be uh, even that much better. So anyways, I'm going to wrap this up. Um, I'm going to probably start also. I've noticed that it seems to be it, it, no one's really so much big on the events, I guess you say, you know, more interested in the vehicle, specific vehicles itself and maybe more of the history. So subsequently, future episodes, I'm going to start focusing more on like getting car specific and going through a history of certain cars. Um, I think my next episode I'm going to do, it's going to be on Luigi Cinetti. Uh, we're going to talk about him uh, and Nart, the whole nine yards and how everything came about and, you know, how he became, I would say Enzo's best buddy, but uh, he's basically the one that brought Ferrari to the America. So we're going to do uh, the next episode on him and talk about that. So give me a few days and I will have that one up. So, but again, I appreciate everybody listening. Uh, share it out there. Spread the word. Check out the YouTube channel, uh, the Ferrari Marketplace. Um, I also have the other ones, uh, 65 Motorsports, that um, has a bunch of other stuff on there. It's, but it's the word 60, then the number 5. Uh, so if you want to look that up, check it out. I got a bunch of stuff on there also. So, but um, Hit like and subscribe there on the channel, uh, trying to build this thing up and spread the word on the podcast. And if you have any suggestions, um, have any thoughts or whatnot, maybe even being on the show, shoot me an email, William at the Ferrari marketplace.com. Uh, I love to get feedback. Um, said I'm still just getting this put together. So it's still going to be pretty kind of pretty rough, um, but I'm working on it. And hopefully I'm getting better. So again, though, I really appreciate everybody listening and everyone have a great day and until next time. This episode has been brought to you by Grand Touring Motorsports as part of our Motoring Podcast Network. For more episodes like this, tune in each week for more exciting and educational content from organizations like the Exotic Car Marketplace, the Motoring Historian, Brake Fix, and many others. If you'd like to support Grand Touring Motorsports and the Motoring Podcast Network, sign up for one of our many sponsorship tiers at www.patreon.com forward slash GT Motorsports. Please note that the content, opinions, and materials presented and expressed in this episode are those of its creator, and this episode has been published with their consent. If you have any inquiries about this program, please contact the creators of this episode via email or social media, as mentioned in the episode.